0: to talk about a sensitive subject a sensitive subject shouldn't be sensitive this subject today should not be sensitive it's a necessity of male leadership may I say I'm going to make some statements today and if you're not used to this uh, don't be mad at me and don't don't write me off i want you to go to the bible and challenge me i ask you to fact check me that's what i'm asking you to do if you don't believe what i'm saying today i want you to go to the bible I want you to fact check me to see if I'm telling you the truth or not, okay? But don't, don't just write me off because you don't like what you're hearing. A lot of times, inf- a new information is offensive to us. It contradicts what we've already believed to be true, and we got to kind of be humble a little bit and admit we, what we believe has not been true, and the new truth is true. So consequently, we change. That's what change is all about. But the necessity of male leadership, Years ago, I did a sign on our front out here, and I'm going to do another one here We're not too long. It said male leadership. You wouldn't believe the comments I got on that. Uh, It shouldn't be, that should be able to be on every church, every Christian church of any kind ought to be able to say we have male leadership. Because there is no biblical female leadership. Oh, that's enough to get you run out on on a rail on most places. There is no well. I heard uh, Saddleback it is, or something. Warren Rick Warren's old church. They had a woman. They had ordained a woman. Brought her in there as their pastor. That's not Bible. Of course, there was a lot of other things that weren't Bible. But that's not Bible. You can't. You're not going to get that in the Bible. You're not going to justify that in the Bible. God has called men, whether we like it or not. God makes the rules. He called a man to be representative, the federal representative of all people that would ever be born, male or female, after him, and his name was Adam. God called a man to preach to the to his known world for about 120 years before the flood, and his name was Noah. God called after Noah. God called a man to that he would work through to reach the rest of the world with the truth that God is God and. Eventually, Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and his name was Abraham. God chose a man to save Jacob and his family from starvation, and his name was Joseph. God chose a man to lead his people out of the slavery of Egypt after 430 years, and his name was Moses. God chose men to stand up against the enemies of God in the book of Judges. He chose men to be kings of his people, Uh, In the book of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, and 2 Chronicles, and there was Saul, started out with Saul, David, and Solomon. Uh, God uh, chose men to stand up against all the false prophets of Baal and preach that there was a true God, and his name was Elijah. God warned his people of impending judgment when they sinned, and his name was Isaiah. Uh, God uh, brought a man to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah and turn the people back to God, and his name was John the Baptist. God chose a man to be born of a virgin, fulfill the law of God, and then die on Calvary for the sins of the world, and be resurrected the third day, and his name was Jesus. God chose men to evangelize the world, plant churches, so God's people could have a place to grow and spread the good news, as such as this church. They were the 12 male apostles. God chose men to feed, to protect, to shepherd the flocks of his people that would get saved and would cause a place for them to grow and to prosper. Those are called pastors. The word pastor means a feeder. That's all I am as a feeder. Uh, God chose men to take the care of the business of the church and to serve the local church in its organization and support and be an encouragement to the pastor. Those men were called deacons in the Bible. God chose some 44 men to write 66 books of the Bible. Now, I don't have to go into the book of Timothy and try to tell you what it says about male leadership. That would be enough to convince anybody that God is using men to promote leadership in not only his local church, but in the world. One of my most watched YouTubes that have been out there has been watched some 46,000 times now is, is, a, is a little short YouTube on male leadership. Why would that be so watched? Why would that be, when I was raised, and by the way, I've been going to church since two years old an Independent Fundamental Bible believing Baptist Church. That's all I've ever heard is that men were leaders because that was what the Bible taught. But there's a propaganda machine today uh, there's a propaganda machine going on and we need to just we need to counter that propaganda machine with the truth in love but the, but the truth men 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 God is looking for some men that'll do his will that's God's way not our way it's God's choosing not our choosing Men did not choose to be the men of God. God chose them to be the men of God, all those men that I mentioned. If we've learned anything from biblical history or even world history, we have learned that great male leadership, or if I may say it this way, without great male leadership, there is nothing great accomplished. Everything actually does rise and fall on leadership. You can tell by who our president is. God will use anyone that will obey Him. Now He uses women greatly, phenomenally. I've been married 52 years, and I'm going to tell you, you know, without her, I can't imagine. I can't imagine uh, going on without her. She has been nothing but a help me to me an encouragement. I mean, sometimes she hasn't been, but anyways, <laughs> 99.9% of the time, the woman's been an encouragement to me to go on and. Press higher. When we started reading our Bibles together, I was, I was 19, she was 18, we were married, and we started reading our Bibles as a man of the house, as the head of the house, the man of the house. I said, we're going to read our Bible through every year. We're going to attempt to read our Bible through every year. That's not an easy task. And so at night, before we went to bed, we would read three chapters a day. If you read three chapters a day, you can read the Bible through in a year. That's not bad, 20, 25 minutes. And so we began to do that. Man, she picked up on that, and I don't know that there's been a year that she hasn't read her Bible completely through. She reads her Bible all the time. She makes me feel bad she reads the Bible so much. I mean, she's in the book encouraging me. That's a quiet encouragement. When I look over and see her reading the Bible, that encourages my soul and and helps me to go on for God. He uses children by the grace of God. He'll use anyone that will give themselves to him. Different is not inferior. Men are just different than women. But it doesn't mean women are inferior to lead. It doesn't mean they couldn't lead even better. But it's just not God's way. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying women are dumber or women don't make good decisions and all those other things they've been accused of. Not by me, but I'm just saying that that's just not God's way. He's just different is not necessarily inferior. It's just different. You know, a fox is different than a dog and a dog's different than a cat. That doesn't make one inferior to the other. They're just different from each other. And trust me, women are different from us. Amen, men? Oh, you chicken boys, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Don't let the ERA, that's almost gone in the Equal Rights Amendment, remember that? Then LW, the National Organization of Women. Don't let the feminists of our world intimidate you or try to change your mind. God made this world to be led by men, and that's the way he wants it to be led. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8, it says, For man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. That's not heresy. That's not oppression. That's the Bible. The best place you could possibly be is in the center of the will of God. Do you agree with that? You want to be in the center of the will of God, ladies, and you're married, make your man succeed. And that would, of course, a lot of things you you wouldn't want to make him succeed by nagging him, right? You can't nag somebody in success, you lead them into success. If you read 1 Peter chapter 3, it talks about a quiet spirit, but a powerful spirit. I've watched my woman raise my I had one child and raised a child and do all that work and encouraged me that I could leave her with that boy and she'd do a good job with him and help him. When he got about eight years old, I said, I'll take over on that. And I began to do things with him. And, and we, we worked as a team. My wife are a team together. Is Paul Chilson here today? Paul's not here today. Well, I'm sorry, Paul. I was going to use you as an illustration, but I'm not going to now. But Paul talks about working as a team. He puts that triangle. We work as a team together. Amen. Well, amen. men, Men are God's tool to lead not only just the local church, but in his world to lead. You say, what's well, not a man's world anymore, preacher? It is, outside of America, outside of Europe. It's still a man's world. It is, and it's not going to change on that. The Antichrist is going to be a man. The Antichrist is going to be a man. Now, he's not going to have any affection for women. Now, that's going to be interesting. Call him what you will. He's not going to have a desire for women, but he is going to be a male. He's going to try to duplicate the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's going to try to do. Take your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. This is a hard, this is somewhat of a hard message for me to preach. This was not easy. I even contemplated not doing this. I really did. Partially because of what's coming, what I'm going to say here in the next few minutes. Some of these things are hard for me to say because I'm going to say some things about the office that God has placed me in. And that's embarrassing to me, and and it's uncomfortable to me to talk about the office that God has placed me in. So if I can say it this way, I'm not talking about myself so much as I'm talking about the office in which God has placed me as a pastor of a local church. In in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur, and that's not H-E-R, that's H-U-R, went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now, that's pretty easy to understand. If you ever tried holding your hands up for very long, the blood runs out of them, pretty soon they start being painful. It can be very painful over a period of time to keep your hands up like this. God chose it. When Moses raised his hand, he gave the victory to his people. When Moses' hands got tired and he lowered them, they began to be defeated by the enemies of God. I think there's a great illustration in this passage here for us today. And so what happened? Moses' hands were heavy. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there on, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. So Aaron got on one side, Hur got on the other side, and they lifted Moses' hands up, even though he was in pain, really, and in agony uh, in doing that, yet he had to do it to win. And one on one by one on one side, one on the other, and other on the other side, and his hands were steady into the going down of the sun. And Joshua, Joshua, because of that, by the grace of God, God being with him, discomfited, he beat, he whipped Amalek and his people by the edge of the sword. Now you want to say, well, Brother Baal, who were these Amalekites? Well, Amalekites were a, uh, Amalek himself was a great grandson of Esau, Genesis 36, 20, 12, and inhabited the wasteland of the northeast Sinai Peninsula. And the Negev, They first attacked Israel after Exodus in Numbers chapter 24, 20. And Israel won the initial battle in Exodus chapter 17, 8 through 16, as we see. But later was driven back into the Sinai. Israel was driven back into the Sinai Wilderness by a coalition of Amalekites and the Canaanites. Numbers chapter 14, verse 39 to 45. Thereafter, the Amalekites waged a barbaric guerrilla war against Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 25, 17 to 19. Fighting, the fighting continued after Israel settled in Cana. Because of the atrocities of the Amalekites to to God's people, God commanded Saul, the king, the first king, to exterminate the Amalekites in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 2 through 3. Saul did not obey him completely, and it was all the way to the 8th century B.C. before the Amalekites were totally exterminated, and that's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 43. So I wanted you to have a little bit of background on who these Amalekites were. So they're fighting against these enemies of God's people, and um, Moses, as a leader, is told to go to the top of the hill with the rod of God and hold his hands up. When he holds his hands up, they win. When he drops them, they fail. So let's just go back over that, and I'll make a few comments real quickly about that passage. So we go back to verse 9. He says, choose ye out men. Moses was not in the battle, but was overseeing the battle and interceding with God for them. That was his duty as a leader. In the the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says that God, speaking of God, he gave some, and the word gave means When you give somebody something, what is it? It's a gift. So he gave some apostles. The apostles were gifts to us. Uh, He gave some prophets. The prophets were gifts to us. And he gave some evangelists, Brother Bill, and they're gifts to us. And then it says he gave some pastors, teachers, pastors and teachers. It could be read, if you're a pastor, you are a teacher, or if you're a teacher, you're not necessarily a pastor, but this was pastors and teachers. And That was a gift from God to his people. And what was the purpose of that gift? Well, in verse 12, Ephesians chapter 4, it says, for the perfecting, the completing, the growing of the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, the leaders are to make an atmosphere in which people can grow so that they can do the work of the ministry and ultimately, edify the body of Christ. See people saved, added to the church, and baptized and brought in and grown and Bible studied and helped and encouraged to be strong Christians. And then those people go out and do the same. And then this is a method of God duplicating His church through all this almost 2,000 years now. The preacher that's so busy in the battle, in the fray, that He's not interceding for His people will eventually lose the battle. God's man is placed in leadership to oversee the battle and to look at the big picture, if I may say that, of what God is doing. In verse 17, it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he let it down, his hand, Amalek prevailed. When the man of God is up, the people of God are up. When the man of God is down, the people of God are down. As I said before, everything rises and falls on leadership. And when I talk about a pastor, I'm talking about a pastor that has proven himself to be of God and to be a God-called man. I'm not talking about a wolf in sheep's clothing. There are people out there that are calling themselves pastors today that are wolves in sheep's clothing. How do I know that? They're not obeying the Bible. That's just simply, we have the Bible, we have the word of God here to show us what's right and wrong. This is our survival manual. And so when when something goes on, somebody says something, I go back in the book and I fact check them. Fact checking really is old, it's not new. And and so when a preacher says something, have you ever had a preacher say something that you didn't think was biblical? Like Eve was created after, like Eve was created before Adam? Have you ever had anybody say that? I I just remember... a couple sermons ago, somebody saying that. I was sitting back there about over in the middle, and, and brother when brother Chris got up here and had a mind—that's called mind fog—and he was going in his way, and he's probably thinking a little ahead of what he was saying. He said, "You know, a little Eve, Adam was created after Eve." And we all sat there and knew the Bible. Go, I saw brother, I saw you going like this. You're so tall, you could have got up one like this. You know, I praise God for an educated, biblically educated group of people that I can't slip something in on you. I can't, well, one one time Brother Moon was up here and he had a brain fog. And he said, we got the little clip, by the way. Is this thing on? Hello? We got the, is this on? Make sure that's not on. Okay, we got we got Moon, we got a little clip of him. he got up here and he said, turn to the book of, of uh, Philippines, of Philippines. Of, 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 uh, Philip, 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 uh, Philippine, Philip, Philip, uh, 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 Philippians. We love that. I love it when people fail. I mean, loss is not harmful. I don't like it when they hurt themselves and really get hurt, but that was a little flub up, and we were rousing the rest of his known days. And Chris put Eve, at make an Eve crit. Now, I'll tell you, in a liberal church, they didn't women that got up and said, yeah, I knew it was that way. <laughs> We're never going to let Chris live that down. No. I got a little clip. If you want that clip, just uh, call the office. <laughs> so when I talk about a pastor, I'm not talking about a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm talking about a man that has proven himself to be a biblical person that follows the Bible, that believes the Bible. We go through, we we put guys through ordination. Brother Thomas is getting ready to go through an ordination. What's that all about? That is about a group of preachers questioning Thomas to make sure he doesn't have a a bent to heresy or has some heretical idea. Uh, and, And if he did, we would not ordain him. As a pastor, we'd say you're not qualified to be a pastor yet. you got to either go back and study some more. you got to go get convinced of what the Bible says. And if he still would persist in error, you, you just wouldn't ordain him. He'd have to go to a more liberal, non-Bible believing group and get ordained by them. Because let me tell you, you can find anybody to ordain you. That's not hard to do. But is it biblical? Is what? It, see, someday we're going to stand before Jesus Christ as a judge of all that is. And he's going to judge the deeds done in the body, whether it be good or bad, brother. It's going to be gold, silver, precious stone, hay, wood, and stubble. It's a serious thing. And, oh, Jesus said, if you get up and teach one thing wrong, you're going to be called least in the kingdom of heaven. That bothers me, that verse. I want to make sure that I don't do that. Man, I don't want to do that. So once you qualify somebody as a God-called man of God, we have a certain responsibility to them as, uh, as members of the local church. And when the man of God is up and encouraged, the church will do well. But have you ever heard a discouraged preacher? Boy, I have. I've sat under a few discouraged preachers. I mean, bitter. They actually allow themselves to get bitter. I, You know, the higher you get in leadership, the more you get shot at. And so you just got to accept that and not get bitter about it. I mean, Jesus got whipped, you know, drawn and dragged to the cross, you know, Man, look what Jesus went through. I mean, I've never gone through, and no preacher's ever gone through even a little bit of what Jesus went through. There's no purpose for us to get bitter when we go through hard times or if people don't like us or if uh, you don't get bitter, but I've seen preachers that got let it get inside, and it, got, and it got it got them bitter inside, and they just couldn't preach on anything that wasn't just negative and, and harsh and because and, when you're bitter, you're not right with God. And they began, their hands were down. And they began to hurt the church of God. They began to hurt the very thing that they were called to do to help, the very thing they were called to encourage. They they didn't mean to do it. They didn't want to do it, but their hands were down. And by the way, that's true in any any form of leadership. Man, it's my job to keep my wife encouraged. Can't you tell? I keep my woman encouraged. When I asked her to mow the lawn, I bought her a brand new zero-turning radius mower. I mean, nothing but the best. When, when she needs a new clippers, man, I go out and get her a new clippers. She's my uh, lawn person. And, and, and she, the other day I told her, man, you know how much money you're saving us? Woo, you're saving us four or $5,000 a year. That makes her feel good. Well, some of you go to the gym and have to pay to go. We don't. We just go to the Palmetto's, clean them out. But it's it's for your benefit, it's for your benefit as a member of a local church that your preacher is encouraged. Now, I'm going to tell you what, get personal about it. Gospel Baptist Church, as a people, have treated me like a king. You people have treated me phenomenal. You've treated me past my imagination good. I mean that. I mean, you have encouraged me in every area a man can be encouraged. You've encouraged me verbally. You've encouraged me through written letters. You've encouraged me by buying me. You bought me a brand-new truck. Now, tell me somebody wouldn't be encouraged by that now. Come on now. You bought me a brand-new truck. And then you brought me another brand new truck and then you bought me another brand new truck. I'm on my third truck from you folks. I mean you have treated me you you people have, people have bought me suits and clothes and I had to start telling people don't don't give me any more money my closet can't hold anymore. And you you've allowed me to to function among you and you've you've kept maybe my hands were going down but somebody always come and grab them lift them up and said preacher Keep on keeping on by the grace of God. You kept encouraging me, encouraging me, encouraging me. And I know Bill Rice has had the same experience. I can tell by his countenance. He's up. Brother Bill Rice is up. He's up on top, buddy. He's he's had a group of people around him going back to his dad, probably, going back to his dad and mom and family and people and just to lift him up and lift him up. He's called by God to do what he's supposed to do, but God lifts you up. And God lifts you up, then the people of God around you help you and keep your arms up. I can just tell you, it's not for your benefit that your preacher's down. Because in verse 12 there it says, Moses' hands were heavy. They were heavy. It gets heavy, and it can get heavy. Leadership can be discouraging sometimes. Boy, you just want to cry in your, you know, uh, not beer. (laughs) You want to cry in your Pepsi. I mean, you just want to feel sorry for yourself, suck your thumb, say, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I think I'll just eat worms. Brother, if God before you, who can be against you, really? But we're human, we're human, right? Somehow or another, the hands of Moses being raised and being lowered had the difference in the battle, that was God's way. Aaron and her, God bless her soul, both of them made a difference and the outcome of that battle saved hundreds and hundreds of lives and it will make a difference in the in the church too how you treat your preacher. God's people behind God's man can almost do anything. No church or group of God's people ever prospered when they began to put down their preacher. I told you before, I'm talking you about a God-called preacher, not a fraud. Sometimes a wolf gets in as a preacher, and the church has to do a very hard thing for them to do. They have to dismiss that man and tell him to go because you're not of God. You're trying to lead us astray. The guy after me, somebody's going to come up after me by the grace of God, or the rapture of the church will happen, amen. But if he doesn't, then somebody needs to come up here and be the pastor of Gospel Baptist Church. And if somebody slipped in here uh, that, that, was a, that was a wolf in sheep's clothing, and the first thing they began to do is, well, let's get rid of the organ, let's get rid of the piano, let's make this place look like a movie theater, let's bring in fog lights and laser lights, and let's bring in drums and rock and roll music, and let's play, the, let's, rock the, let's rock this church. And they want to change the name of the church instead of Gospel Baptist, they'll change the name of the church to The Rock. Church has got to do a hard thing. If that happens, they got to do a hard thing. What is that? they got to, they got to terminate that. got to dismember that individual because he's not a true God-called pastor. How do we know? doesn't obey the Bible. They obey the Bible, though. You get a guy that obeys the Bible, and, and he could have some quirks you didn't like. Can you believe that? You may not like the way he wears his hair, You you may not like the way he talks about stuff. You may not like this or like that, but let me say this. Every asset has a liability, amen? I just preached on that a few weeks ago. You want a preacher that'll stand against sin and stand against the wolf and the wiles of the devil, and yet you want him to be feministically sensitive. You can't have both. You can't have both. You got to accept an asset, and then with that asset may come a little bit of liability, maybe rough around the edges. But he's willing to stand against sin. You got to be willing to put up with some of his characteristics. When you, when you, in your heart begin to feel bitter towards your preacher, something maybe he did or said, uh, maybe you begin to take up an offense by that, you're hurting yourself. The best thing in the world to do is obey the Bible, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 and 17. Go to the preacher by one-to-one and say, Preacher, I thank God for people who've come in my office, set an appointment, and said, Preacher, I got a problem with what you said. I got no problem with that. I'm for that. What, well, let's look at what the Bible says. Was I wrong on this? Was I off base? We'll both look at it. You tell me what it says. You tell me whether it was right or wrong, okay? And, and, we can, we, and those meetings have always turned out really in a positive manner. They've come to him. But some people have things against your preacher and gone out and told everybody but the preacher. Well, that person's trying to tear the local church down. He's trying to destroy what we have and what God has given us as a local church. You You don't want to do that. When you hear somebody tearing down your preacher, that person is rooting for the enemy. Your preacher's not perfect. You'll never have a perfect preacher. Pastor McKinney before me, V.L. Martin before me, Pastor McKinney before me, neither, none of, neither one of those men. I golfed with both of them, did stuff with both of them. None of them were perfect. I'd miss a putt. He'd say, oh, never up, never in. He'd say the saddest words of tongue or pen. It's your turn again, my friend. I was mean. But I mean, they're not perfect people but well, they were godly people. They were people that wanted God to have control of their life because if you hold your leader's hands up, God's going to help us all to have the victory. Praise God for people like Aaron and people like her. Thousands were saved because of them. How can you have a great church that is that is, is beating Satan and, and seeing people saved and edified and growing and have a Christian school that where boys and girls are hearing the honest Open, truthful education where boys are boys and girls are girls. I wanted to put that on a billboard. Just recently, I, w- I went to our billboard company and I said, I want to do a billboard It says, Where boys come to Gospel Baptist Christian School, where boys are boys and girls are girls. Corporate office won't let me do it. It's too inflammatory. What planet are they from? What could possibly be wrong with the statement, boys are boys and girls are girls? Because biologically, it can't be any other way. Call yourself a dog doesn't make you a dog. Call yourself a rooster don't make yourself a rooster. Well, I'm emotionally this today. Well, good for you. Hold the hands of your preacher up in prayer. You don't like him? Pray for him. (laughs) You know what's good about praying for your preacher? Give him over to God. Give him over to God. God will take care of him. Trust me. God put me here. God can take me out. He has no trouble terminating my service. Uh, And no preacher out there, he wouldn't have any trouble terminating his service. He can do it. And so pray for your preacher. You see problems with him? go to them individually. Don't tell everybody else. And then begin to pray for your preacher. Put him on the top of the list. You know who I pray for some the most of? I don't know if I should tell you this. To make the top of my prayer list, you have to be my enemy. So, who in this room's on my prayer list? <laughs> no, come on. But if you say, Preacher, I'll be glad when you die, you're making top of my prayer list. <laughs> because why? You're supposed to love your enemies, pray for them, and despite, do good to them, and spitefully use you. That's what the Bible said. So, make top of my prayer list. If your preacher makes you mad, pray for him. God, grab a hold of him and do something with him. You know, God, he's discouraged. God, he's bitter. God, he's struggling. God, help him. Help him. Help him. Yeah, that's what you need to do. Because when you do that, you're helping yourself. You're holding up his hands. Help your preacher with some verbal encouragement and some written encouragement. This is the part of the message I'm very uncomfortable about because I'm not asking you to come up to me after service and say how wonderful I am. I'm not asking you to come up to me or write me letters or do anything. If you feel led of God to do it, do it. But don't do it because I just said it. Now, is that a big enough disclaimer? <laughs> but some of you are here from up north. You got preachers up north. Write your preacher a letter and say you love him. You're praying for him. You know he's been having. You know he's been under resisting a lot of resisting a lot of stuff. You, get, you got a man that's called of God and that wants to obey the Bible. Uh, verbally encourage him once in a while. You don't have to overdo it. Don't go crazy on it. But but this church, through the years, has given me letter after letter after letter after letter after letter after letter saying, Preacher, we love you. Preacher, thank you for, for doing this or doing that. Something that God put on their heart, and they've encouraged me and encouraged me. Held my hands up. Held my hands up. Held my hands up. Held my hands up. Man, I don't see how you could be a preacher at Gospel Baptist Church Even if you wanted to let your hands down, they'd grab them and put them up. You're a wonderful group of folks in that area, in in that area. And let me say one other tip on this. Don't let people discourage, disparage your preacher in your presence. Oh, that's good, that's good. That's worth coming for. Don't you allow by your silence to have consent. Don't let your silence be consent. Somebody starts disparaging your your preachers, your leaders, your deacons, your people that God has raised up, you say, stop right there. You got a problem with Tom Gillespie? You go see Tom Gillespie. You got a problem with one of our guys? You go see them. Don't you shed that little stuff on me. Don't you bleed on me. I had one guy one time, and I know it's 12 o'clock, don't worry about it. <laughs> I had one guy one time come up to me and said, Preacher, I'm going to knock this guy's head off. Man, he was going to get in a fight with this guy. That is, we, if you can believe this now, we had somebody here that didn't like me. And he really didn't like me. And he told me he didn't like me. He had a meeting with me didn't like me. He was honest. He was upright. He was forthright with me. I thank him for that. I said, I don't even like me. So if you don't like me, we're good. Uh, and he told one of our other trustees that didn't like me and that trustee said you tell you say that one more time I'm going to knock your head off they almost got in a fist fight I said now don't do that don't do that when I'm watching <laughs> why do you do that why would you treat your preacher that way according to the bible he's a gift from god Some of you feel that maybe I was sent to the wrong address. (laughs) Or maybe you feel that the box came and there was nothing in it. But according to the Bible, I've been sent to Gospel Baptist Church as a gift to Gospel Baptist Church. Oh, that's so sweet of you. You know, that's the way I get encouraged And if I prosper, you prosper. If I read my Bible, you prosper. If I pray, you prosper. If I go soul winning and care about lost people, you prosper. If I care about Bill Rice Camp, you prosper. That's what we got on the back wall there. We got a whole back wall of people that need help that we prosper when they prosper. May the Lord help us. Father, help us this morning. Give grace to us. Anoint this message. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 1285 thank you and god bless